is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast and the first review, preview of first game, one of the first games of the new year and it's an FA Cup special. Um... We are joined by Alex, who is the media officer at Chorley FC. Absolute pleasure to have you on, Alex. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for the invite, gents. And uh, obviously, Corey's here. Corey, how are we doing? Jason, I am fantastic because I am up for the cup. I love, I love an FA Cup timey. Love the FA Cup, the romance, the magic, everything that it involves. I am a big FA Cup guy. So am I when you get a draw like this. Um, and on a day that most of the UK have been put into tier four, we've got somebody from tier six of the football pyramid to join <laughs> us to join us today. Did it? Did yeah? Well, thank thank you, thank you. Um, it took me about half an hour to work that one out, but no. Um, before we, I want to mainly focus on Chorley, and I know Corey does as well. It's not every day that obviously the two sides. Uh, come up against each other. But first of all, Alex, I, I want to have a quick talk about the season so far and then go into a little bit more history of Chorley. Um, not too, not doing too bad in, in the Vanarama. Is it still called the Vanarama North these days? Vanarama um, National League North, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, is it ninth place, but only about three or four points off second at the minute? Pretty decent um, last five games. You know, Four wins out of the last five, I think it is. Not... Not too bad form coming into what obviously, you know, I'm not trying to big Derby County up here, but what, what, what is obviously going to be a tough game for Chorley? Yeah, we've, um, we've been excellent, to be honest. Ever since we beat Wigan, we've been um, growing in confidence. Um, the results have picked up remarkably um, compared to the first sort of month of the season. Because um, obviously we had the two we had the two early rounds of the cup where we beat Gateshead and we beat York, um, but we couldn't get anything in the league. We lost the first four league games, um, and there was it wasn't doom and gloom around the place, but it was it was tough because you know, we'd had a tough season the year before, and for some people it just looked like we were continuing this sort of downward spiral. Um, and then we we had the result at Wigan, and since then we've been we've been excellent. You know we've We've beaten Telford, we've drawn at Hereford, then we beat Peterborough, which was incredible. And then December, like you say, we've won four of the last five in the league. We've won at uh, Boston, who were a promotion chaser. We've won at Chester the other day, promotion chasers. We beat Fylde at home on Boxing Day, another promotion chasing side. And we've just, um, you know, we've, we've just been excellent, quite honestly. Um, obviously, not obviously. A bad, not a bad time to come into it then. Um, in in all <laughs> fairness, uh, probably yeah. not great for not great for Derby fans hearing that. But you know, I mean, for me, and I, I do follow quite a bit of non-league football. There's a, a, a few teams in and around me. Alfreton being one of them. I'm about three miles away from Alfreton. Um, in, pro- in fact, probably less. It's probably two miles away. They're probably my closest, technically, football club. Um, you know, the name, when the draw was made, obviously, as, as a championship club, you look at it and you see, I love to see the non-league sides getting in there. And I actually thought Chorley were lower down the football pyramid than they actually were, obviously, when, when the draw was made and obviously doing research for this podcast. It was like, well, actually, they're not as far down as I was thinking that they were. Um, just... Talk to us about you know the last couple of years for, for the football club, Alex, and you know what what they've 
what they've achieved and hopefully, obviously, continue to, to look to achieve? It's been a it's been a quite a remarkable rise actually the last decade. So we'd we'd spent sort of the the majority of the noughties in in sort of the fourth tier of non-league football weren't really going anywhere. Um, we didn't have any sort of exciting cup runs or anything like that. We were just sort of stuck in in the Northern Premier League first division and just sort of drifting kind of I guess is is probably the best word, way to describe it. And then since 2010, uh, we had uh, we appointed Gary Flickcroft as manager, the former Man City and Blackburn midfielder. Um, and basically things just snowballed from there. We've, we've gone from average crowds of less than 300 um, to average crowds of nearly 1,700 in 10 years. Um, we've won three promotions. Uh, so we uh, came through the playoffs in the in the Northern Premier League First Division. Then we won the Northern Premier League in 2014. I'd better not get that wrong. <laughs> um, I think it was 2014. And then we, the season after that, we got to the National League North Playoff Final uh, and lost to Geisley. And then we had another four, five years in the National League North where we were in the playoffs knocking on the door we got to another playoff final and lost to Halifax in front of nearly 10,000 people um, at the Shea um, and then in 2019 we finally managed to get promoted to the National League again via the playoffs um, by beating Spennymore Town at home which was just the most fantastic day it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant um, so you know three promotions in nine years uh, you know, record average attendance from for the last sort of twenty or thirty years, and then we went into the national league last year, and it was just I think it was just a step too far for where the club was at the time, um, especially being a part time club in what is essentially it might as well be the the third level of the football league now, or sorry, the fourth level of the football league now, with the size of the clubs that are in the national league and how much money clubs have to spend, and you know, them all being full time great facilities and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a step too far. And obviously COVID got in the way and, and sort of curtailed the season with eight games to go. Um, and so we've dropped back down to the National League North. Um, and, you know, we, we've got kept the same manager. A uh, few things have changed off the field with a few people coming in to, to help out on the side of the commercial side of things and, and that kind of thing. And we just... Um, we feel like, despite COVID, that we're in, we're in quite a good place at the moment. Um, going into 2021, and you know, with with the FA Cup tie as well, you know, it just there's a there's a real positivity around the place, despite the fact we can't have fans in, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just before I pass over to Corey, I know Corey likes to interrogate um, <laughs> the the players and 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 the stats. You, you've led me on to my question there. This is a absolute perfect fixture for fans. And unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. I mean, obviously, in terms of the occasion, in terms of the day and everything, that would have been great. But I think probably more so for, for Chorley would have been, obviously, the financial gains of having however many fans. And, you know, Derby would have taken fans there, however many were allowed, you know, whatever it would have been. There would have been a bumper crowd there, I think, um, uh, when was it, Corey? Pro I mean, we're probably going back 10 years ago now, actually, thinking about it. We went to Forest Green Rovers in the FA Cup third round and we took uh, three, 4,000 fans there um, yeah. and nearly slipped up. <laughs> nearly. And the only thing that I pop in is Nathan Ellington in that glorious lime green kit. Yeah, when we were 3-0 down after about 25 minutes and somehow managed to win 4-3. But um, fingers crossed it's not going to be like that next week. But um, yeah, it, it's a... It's a shame, and you know, even the previous rounds, you know, coming up against Wigan, and you know, Wigan are in dire straits at this moment in time, but they were a mid table championship side last season, technically, before obviously everything that went off. So, even getting past Wigan was, was a big, you know, big, big thing for Chorley. And you've said there, you know, you've not had cut runs for quite some time, and then, you know, the year that you kind of are doing it. 
Uh, unfortunately, nobody's nobody's really there to see it. How much of a shame is it, you know, from personally from your your point of view, but obviously then the club as a whole, you know, how disappointing is it that actually this one's going to be technically behind closed doors? It's awful, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole season's been like that. It's it. I mean, it is. I am in quite a privileged position to be actually be be able to go and you know watch football, um, and kind of try to tell myself that quite a lot that I shouldn't get too down about sitting in an empty ground watching football because there'd be plenty of people that, that would want to do that instead of me but at the same time you know I don't know how many games we've played now is it 17 or 18 games this season and it is soul destroying <laughs> quite honestly when you go in you know you go into a ground like like, Ch- like Chester two days ago you know if, if that had been normal you know there'd been two two and a half thousand in that ground and it, the atmosphere would have been brilliant and instead there's you know I don't know how many people would have been there 50 maybe less than that just scattered about everybody's obviously working doing whatever and it's just it's just dead and a bit you know like I say a bit soul destroying really and then obviously you throw in the cup games and obviously Wigan you know you go to the you go to the DW and it's a huge stadium and it's a it, it's a massive game because Wigan's only eight miles down the road. I was going to say pretty local, really. Yeah, it, it's it, yeah. I mean, we've got our manager lives in technically lives in Wigan and our groundsman played for Wigan and you've got all these little stories and obviously a, a number of our our fans will will either live in Wigan or will follow Wigan as well and you've got all that mixed in. And if the if fans had been allowed, we'd have probably had fifteen hundred, two thousand in the away end, and you know it just it just adds so much. And then you get there and you sit there and you wait for the teams to come out, and it's raining and it's cold, and it's just there's it's just dead. You can hear everything that the players are saying, and, and you know it just it's unfortunate. It's really really unfortunate. It's the same at Peterborough. Peterborough was great. It was genuinely genuinely brilliant. Peterborough was. Um, but again, it's just it's just that little bit soul destroying when there's just nobody there. Yeah. Um, and I think um, obviously a week on Saturday, it, it makes things in, in terms of COVID and all the restrictions that are in place. It makes um, everyone's jobs a lot easier that fans aren't allowed. But. I think we'd all swap that for actually having people in because, I mean, it, it it won't be a dead occasion or anything like that, but it's just, you know, you just, we could have had four and a half thousand in and it would have been, it would have been incredible. Mm. Um, and instead there's just going to be, you know, however many journalists turn up and then, you know, volunteers and, and that, and that's it. Yeah. And, you know, we just have to, just have to live with it, I guess. And, and hope that, I mean, we're lucky that it's on TV, obviously, and it's on uh, national radio as well. So people will be able to follow along, and obviously we've got our own coverage on on social media and, and what have you. So people will at least still be able to feel like they're involved. Um, but, you know, it's just not it's not the same as being there. No. I mean, I, I can attest I've been to Wigan on a cold and wet uh, Tuesday <laughs> night. It's, it, it's not nice for anybody. It's not nice for anybody. Um <laughs> My final one, sorry, I've got one more before I pass it over to you, Corey. You were just talking there. And do you think that the no fans and all, do you think that takes the, you said that obviously there'll still be an occasion about the game and of course they will, but obviously the, the cameras were there for a giant killing. Now, don't get me wrong, that could technically still happen, but we've seen it so many times over the years, these giant killings and the fans and the tight atmospheres of the tight grounds and, and that kind of thing. Do you think that actually makes Chorley's task a little bit harder, that they haven't got the backing of their fans behind them, physically at the game at least? Um, I would have said so had we not gone to Peterborough and won. Because I think that, I think... Going into the Wigan game, I think we all we all thought there was a chance because of because of because Wigan was struggling. We all thought there was a chance that we could go there and get something. Um, and obviously, it took a a, a red card and a, a really good comeback from us. But you know, the red card sort of swung the tie a little bit, and we were able to get back into it and win. But when we drew Peterborough, I think certainly I thought, well, that that's it. We're not going to be able to go to Peterborough. 
against a side that's obviously really, really good. We're just not going to be able to go there and win. We just can't. And especially with, with there being nobody in the ground, it'll just, you know, it just felt like that we, we were going to, we were in trouble really with that draw. But obviously we went there and um, <laughs> the performance was outstanding. Um, and obviously to get a result was just, was just incredible. Um, and it, that felt like an occasion. That really did, despite the lack, the lack of fans, that felt like an occasion. Seeing the, the reaction of the players, um, the management, the chairman, and everybody, everybody involved that were there, the, the media team, like we were all just a little bit shocked, I think, at just how good the performance was and how good we looked. Um, so it did feel, that felt like a proper sort of occasion. I, I think the, the Derby game will be the same. Um, simply because it is, whether there are fans there or not, it's a huge, huge game for us. It just, you know, it, it's massive. I don't, I don't. I mean, obviously, we played Wolves in in the in the eighties in the cup and beat them when they were they were in the doldrums and down in you know the fourth tier and what have you. And had massive crowds in for that, and that was a, a huge occasion for the club. But you know, this is this is on another level now. You know, the third round itself is is just on another level to anything else. You know, certainly that I've experienced in my time at the club in, with playoff finals and all kinds of stuff. This is, this is just on a different level. Alex, take me back to the night of November 30th. Um, the manager had said it shortly that he wanted a big team in the FA Cup to continue the good run. Yeah. And Derby County come out the hat. And we saw, the, yep. we saw the great video from Chorley of the players just buzzing about it. What was that emotion like when the draw was made? I mean, was it, was, it, was it like the video or was it better than the video of just the raw emotion that came out with everybody at the club? Because they got the big club in Derby County. They got what everybody kind of hoped for in a way. So I was, um, I was actually sat in the stand at Marine where the BBC were doing their coverage because – our manager, Jamie, and, and one of our players, Lewis Baines, were, were on the BBC's coverage. So I was sat above them watching and taking photos and, um, and what have you for our uh, social media. And then a couple of other guys were in our social club with the players. And I think the reaction of, uh, of Jamie and, and Lewis was, you know, it was, wow, this is, you know, this is not only is it a big club. Well, first, first off, not only have we been drawn at home, which is huge, because it gives you that little bit of extra belief then we get a big club and you know as far as I'm concerned like Derby, Derby County are a huge football club in, in English football they're just you know no matter no matter that they sit sort of slightly further down the championship than maybe you'd, you'd like to be you know the, the following you have the history you have all that kind of stuff it's, it's a huge huge football club to to be coming to our little ground and I think there was that there was so there was that sense there was the, there was the the fact that we're at home the fact we've got a big club, but the third thing is you're struggling a little bit so it does actually give us a chance of winning. Now, all right, it, it's a small chance I think still whether whether you'd been on a, a good run like you are now or not. Um, there's no way that we should really be beating a side like yourselves, but I think if you throw the three things in together, it just it just made for a really, really good, good cup tie. Because I think if we'd have drawn somebody like Spurs or Liverpool or or Arsenal or any of the big Premier League clubs, um, yeah, it would have been a it, it would have been a huge occasion. But I mean, we'd have basically had no chance of winning a game like that, not a, not a chance at all. Whereas, you know, this this kind of tie throws everything into the mix, and it does it does give you that little little bit of chance that you might get through. I know when, when we saw that, when we saw that cup draw, Jason and myself were both, both really excited for it because that is the magic of the FA cup. And although we are Derby County supporters, we do love, we do love a good cup tie. And I do love it. Like when Marine got Tottenham Hotspur, it's like, it's just really neat when, when the kind of the non-league sides get to the third round, because that's a massive achievement in and of itself to get into the third round proper. Yeah. And then, you know, getting a big side as well. Um, so when, when, when Derby County managed by, Wayne Rooney show up to uh, Victory Park for the FA Cup. They roll up in the bus. They get off. What What are they expecting? Is it Is it 
cold showers and a waterlogged soaked pitch like it was at Birmingham last night? Is it what, what's Trolley going to do to unnerve them? Are they going to put like bad bananas in the dressing room for him to eat? I mean, that's just that's just being flippant. But what can they expect when they roll up to Victory Park? <laughs> um, I the, like the laugh because they know that, yeah, they're plotting. That's good. I love the, it, Alex. The away, the away dressing room is what I would describe as basic. Um, the yeah, the the main our main stand is is very old, and um, we have actually renovated the home dressing room in the last eighteen months. Um, so it's you know it's relatively comfortable. I wouldn't necessarily say it was was you know five star luxury or anything like that, but it's comfortable for our players and you know it does what it needs to do. But I think the away dressing room is as basic as as probably any of your players have come across um, maybe since their uh, youth or junior football days, quite honestly. Um, it had a lick of paint over the summer. Um, like a lot of the, like a lot of the, um, the corridors and, and what have you under the main stand, it has been sort of updated a little bit. Um, but generally it's just a room with benches in a horseshoe shape with a few pegs. And that's about it. Oh, and a toilet and a shower. Oh, it's got toilet and indoor plumbing as well. Nice. But see how how he remained coy, Jason, on the whole cold water in the showers. He's remained very (laughs) coy on that. No, I'm just just being flippant, Alex, because that is the magic of the FA Cup. When these big teams come, that's part of the intimidation. Obviously, the fans won't be there. But like you say, some of them probably won't ever have been in a dressing room like that um, for a long time, if ever. And so, yep. you know, that, that's kind of one of those intimidation factors that always – I always just love those stories, you know, when they used to waterlog the field back in, like, the 70s and yeah. stuff. Like, that, was just, yeah. that was just perfect. I love that stuff. Um, so, Alex, walk me through. I mean, after they get drawn against Derby, has there been a bigger buzz about the place? And is, is, the buzz getting lo- is the buzz getting bigger the closer you get to the game with, with the players and the staff? Um, we've had a lot of games. This, this has been the – it's not really an issue, but – there's been a lot of games in between. Um, it's either eight or nine games that we've had to play since the draw was made. And obviously, um, because our start to the league wasn't ideal, uh, we've had to really, really knuckle down and focus on, on the league games that we've had. And, and you know, we have done that because we've, we're unbeaten in nine league games now. So um, the confidence is certainly there. Um, but I think in the last sort of, the last sort of, couple of weeks where we've been getting more and more uh, like media requests and um, there's been a few new sponsorship deals in the works and everyone's been having to plan um, how we're going to house everybody and you know what we're going to do with all the TV coverage that we've got and all the radio coverage that we're going to get and everything I think it starts to suddenly sink in that, that it's such a big deal for everyone involved with the football club and just how much interest there is, um, you know, across, across English football, really, because we are one of the stories of the FA Cup this year. Um, and I know it's easy, certainly from my point of view, uh, as, a, as a West Brom fan, I, the FA Cup's a, a bit of a weird one when you, when you support a bigger club because you want your side to do well in it. But at the same time, you know, certainly in West Brom's predicament at the moment, like I haven't given our, our FA Cup tie with Blackpool a second thought because it just doesn't, it's not that it doesn't interest me, but it's, it's sort of secondary a little bit. Um, whereas, you know, for clubs at our level, and, you know, it's, it's still such a big deal. And it's great that, that there are so many people and so many media outlets that are also interested in the story. Um, and it does sort of bring home bring back home to you just how big a competition it remains for so many people and like you're saying about the interest in it and the, the uh, sort of giant killing stuff and all these little sort of side stories with with part-time players and what have you it, it does it does make for for a very very special occasion for clubs like us still jason yeah so i was i was just flicking through you know you were talking there about 
though <clears throat> the the league form just recent, recently, and I was just flicking through as uh, as you was talking there. Um, in fact, you you weren't at Alfreton all too long ago, which is uh, which is interesting, which is not. Yeah, it was um, uh, it was very cold. It was very yes. very cold. <laughs> yes, I, I know. I know uh, the new man. Uh, I can't think what it's called now. I won't say the new manor ground, but it's not. That's somewhere else. Uh, the Impact Arena, I think it's called, or the something Impact ridiculous. Arena. Something ridiculous like that. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a place I've been to many, many, many times uh, on non-league day. That's that's where you'll normally find me if uh, if Derby haven't got a fixture. But um, everything that you've just said there, you know, surely are in some form now. Yep. Me personally, we and we've seen it year in, year out, up and down the FA Cup. You know, if you've got that about you, I mean, if you'd have been on, only on like a two-game unbeaten run or a three-game unbeaten run, it's probably not worth talking about as much. But nine, you know, nine nine league games is a lot, and yeah. obviously, you know, you you're at home as you, as you mentioned that that can be a, a big thing. In terms of obviously the game itself. Football's football at any level. It's obviously all then down to the quality, you know, the quality of it in in, in some yeah. respects. But you know, as I say, nine league games. That's looking at it from a derby perspective. Looking at Chorley as an opposition, um, and I think Corey, you would agree with me when I say I I would expect a, a few youngsters possibly to play. But I think the way that Derby are kind of where they are at the minute, taking away last night's result aside, because that was just out of the ordinary. Um, you know, Derby are trying to find a mould something to help their own league campaign at the moment. So I wouldn't expect tons and tons of changes. I would fully expect a, a pretty solid Derby side coming uh, up to Chorley and, you know, obviously pitting the wits against it. And what can you take from those nine league games unbeaten good form you say doing after a, a up and down start starting to find a bit of a rhythm now you know um what do you what's i think the best way to describe it what can derby kind of expect from chorley i think is probably the best way of describing it what um what's what's the way that chorley like to play you know what what from obviously, I was watching it over on BT Sports. Um, what can we expect Charlie to throw at Derby? We're quite adaptable, actually. Um, we'd spent um, so since uh, Jamie Vermiglio took over um, in the summer of 2018, um, he kind of followed on the same, the, the similar kind of um, formation as, as Matt Janssen had before him. So we only ever played with three centre halves. And wing backs, and all right. Once once Jamie had taken over, we, we went to a sort of slightly more attacking um, way of playing, where we only really played with one sort of defence midfielder, and the fullbacks bombed on, and we had two midfielders bombing on, and we had two centre forwards, and and um, you know it worked when we got promoted, um, and it was tweaked a little bit last year, but we still stuck with the three centre halves, and you know we very very rarely moved away from that. Um, and then in the summer, we, we basically had a complete and utter clear out of the squad. So we'd had roughly the same, similar squad for three, three and a half, four years up until the summer. And then we got rid of everybody apart from four players. And we bought in, just trying to think now how big the squad is. So we must have 18, 19, 20 players. So, you know, we, we've, we've had a, a massive overturn of, of the squad this year. And with that came a little bit of a change in, in the way we played. So we, we became more adaptable. So we don't just stick to three centre-halves now. We we can also play with, with a four. Um, we sort of mix it up in midfield a little bit with the, with the, um, with the players we have. Um, you know, we can rotate a little bit um, in the way we go forward. Um, and we've got a nice balance up, up top as well because we've been able to sign uh, Connor Hall, who scored the winner against Wigan, and then and then also scored at Peterborough. Um, he joined us permanently a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was on loan with us last year, and then his contract ran out at Bolton. And then because he's from down south, he he went back down south and signed for Woking. But 
for whatever reason, it, it, it had, didn't work out for him. So he, he came back to us on loan and has signed permanently. So we have a goal threat in Connor Hall um, with balls in the box. Um, and it... I was looking at actually. I was looking at our statistics um, last night because the concern I think when the season started was that we weren't really sure where the goals are going to come from. Because uh, when we got when we were promoted, sorry, during our promotion season, um, the goals came from everywhere. We, I think we had five or six players in double figures, um, so we weren't reliant on one player. And then last season was just you know it was a bit of a write off because we just couldn't get going. And it came into this season, and you couldn't quite see where the goals were going to come from initially. Um, and then since Connor Hall's come in, he scored six in 12. And suddenly, it sort of brought in the rest of the team, and we're sort of weighing in with goals from from defenders and from the midfield as well. And we do have a, a few options now, whereas to begin with, partly because of COVID and because we weren't sure what was going to happen with the season starting, you know, we weren't able to have a particularly big squad because we just didn't know, I think partly, how many players we were going to be able to afford to pay for for a certain amount of time. Um, whereas now we're in a more settled position so we can sort of, we know what kind of numbers we can have for a squad. We know what we're going to be able to afford to pay for the season. Um, so we can have that little bit of um, uh, adaptability and change it up a little bit. Um but in terms of the in terms of the actual run itself, I think it's just the familiar familiarity that the, the players have with each other now. I think the FA Cup results have massively helped to bring the to bring all together because obviously a lot of people didn't know a lot of the players didn't know each other, and it's difficult. Um, you see it a lot in non-league football. You know, a lot of squads stay together for two or three years, or they'll follow a manager to another club, and you get that kind of consistency and continuity, and it, it works quite well. Um, and it can be quite difficult when you when you have a squad that's that's brand new, especially when you're also you've also been relegated the season before. So you've you know people aren't quite sure what's going to happen, and then you get a start and everyone start starts thinking oh oh god it's 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 going to get worse, and then suddenly you get on a run. The players are confident. They're confident with with each other. They're confident with what the management are doing, and it just all clicks into place. And and that's kind of what it feels like. Um, and obviously, it felt like that Monday Monday night at Chester. You know, we we did incredibly well to to get the lead twice, and then in the second half, you know, we were under under a bit of pressure, but we're we're very good at soaking that kind of pressure up. Um, and in the end, you know, we we weren't we weren't particularly troubled. Um, with Chester going for us. And it was the same on Boxing Day against Fard as well. Once we got the lead, we were relatively comfortable. Like, the players know their roles in defending a lead. And, you know, they're, they're good at doing it. So, Alex, you say, obviously, Connor Hall's one of the ones who's going to get the goals. Who else, if you can match it this way up against Championship opposition, where, where are the threats going to come from, Chorley? Uh, is, you know, is there a particular style? Um, a particular uh, area of the pitch that Chorley you know, tend to attack or, you know, that kind of thing? Or is, is there some standout players in the Chorley side that Derby have got to, you know, keep an eye on if, if they want to come out of this one unscathed? Um, we, we do have, we do have some very, very talented individual players. Um, and relatively young players as well. I think, Part of the uh, part of the idea in the summer was to was to try and get the the side younger because we had quite a lot of older players, sort of late twenties, early thirties. Um, so we were going for a younger model of, of trying to get sort of younger, hungry players who'd maybe been in academy systems or you know had, had been at um, football league clubs and had maybe either lost their place in the side or lost a bit of confidence and. Maybe need to rebuild it by by playing regularly, basically. So we have a, a, a lot of players that are like that, um, and one player in particular that stands out is um, our other centre forward, Harry Cardwell, who um, uh, joined us in the summer. We had him on loan last year, um, and he played thirty minutes for us. Um, 
and he scored. It was it was a game against Aldershot. He scored, and then he did something. I can't remember what his injury was, but it was quite a nasty one. So basically, he joined up with us on loan from Grimsby on the Friday afternoon. Had never met any of the team before. Turned up at Aldershot on the Saturday, started, scored, went off injured, and then his season was over. Uh, and I think most of us just thought that that was it. We'd, we'd probably seen the last of him in a Chorley shirt. And then lo and behold, in June, he suddenly turned up and he was he was our first sign, our first new signing of the summer. Um, and he shouldn't personally. You know, I think a lot of people will say the same thing. Like he shouldn't be playing in the National League North. Um, he has terrific pedigree, uh, and he's he's a really really good centre forward. He's just been, I think, a little bit unlucky with injuries, and um, he was in and out the side at uh, at Grimsby for a couple of years. So he, he was he'd been at Hull, and then Reading bought him as a 16 year old, and he's played under 21s or. I think it was under 21s, under 19s for Scotland. Um, you know, he's got got a decent pedigree. He's just been, I think he's just been unlucky, like a lot of players are, sort of late teens, early 20s. If you don't fall at the right club or, you know, get a break or get a run of game, sometimes you can just, you just end up, you know, just a bit unlucky. Your contract runs out and then you're sort of scratching around trying to find a club. And I think um, we'd made, despite him only being with us for a couple of days, basically, I think we'd made quite an impression on him and, we obviously made him feel welcome and wanted. Um, so his contract was up and he signed for us. And um, he, you know, he's he's just a very, very good centre forward and, and someone who should probably be, really be in the Football League. Uh, and like I say, for whatever reason, he's, he's, he's playing for us at the moment. But I, I, don't, I don't imagine that he will stay in the National League North forever. Um, and... But better things will wait for him, and I think he won. He was man of, man of the match in our game at Peterborough, um, and you know, with him and Connor Hall, you know, we've always got. There's always a goal somewhere from those two. You know, they're a threat, a real threat, and even against the, even against them, like a championship side, you know, if the ball falls in the box to either of them, you know, and they get a chance, then they're more than more than likely to take it. Um, and I think that's you know, that's where it's gonna that's where we've got a chance, I believe, anyway, with one of those two. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, so certainly a bit of firepower, something something to uh for Derby fans to look for look out for, I suppose. Um my final question before Corey uh pass it over to you. If I want to say the unthinkable, but I don't know if it is I don't think it's the unthinkable. I know me and Corey sat on a preview podcast at the beginning of the season when we drew Barrow in the League Cup. Um, and we had the press guys from from Barrow and they were like, no, we don't stand a cat in hell's chance of beating Derby. And we were like, yeah, you might, you, you might actually have a better chance than you think. And that game turned out that Derby won it on penalties. That is a completely different Derby County side to what is currently out on, you know, playing to the level at the moment. So unfortunately, I can't give you any good news there. But if if it was to happen, and you know, Chorley were to get into even I don't know a, a replay might even seem you know a really good result from from a third round. But you know, if you can get into that fourth round for a non-league side, any non-league side at this point, get into that stage, what does that mean for Chorley, and, and what where can they? Uh, where can they progress using and get obviously the money that that they would get from that? Well, first off, it'll mean we won't be playing Gateshead at home in the league. <laughs> um, it'd just be another Tuesday night game, that would. So just add it, throw it on the pile with all the other Tuesday night games that we've got to play in January and February. Um, I, I mean, I guess it would all depend. I mean, obviously, financially, it would make another massive, massive difference. Um, you know, and it would make things so much easier again, um, depending on, you know, because we know, you know, we don't know how long this COVID thing's going to go on for in terms of restrictions and, and fans and everything. So it just adds another layer of security in that regard, first and foremost. And I think that's what we kind of have to think of first is, is, the, is the football club itself. And it's not 
not necessarily it's survival because you know we're not we're not in uh, we're not in trouble of not surviving, but it's you know it would add another layer of security to the football club, which which is the main thing. Um, and then it would all depend on the draw, you know, because we could you could end up in the fourth round and you draw aside from League Two, and then you look at it and start thinking about the fifth round, or you could end up with you know Chelsea away, and on the one hand you're thinking, blimey, that's incredible, and on the other hand you think, well, I'm going to have to sit there and watch us get beat double figures. You know, it's one of those really. But I think you just you just take take each game as it comes. Really, I think we'll be get the derby game sort of out of the way first, and if 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 we get knocked out, which is which is more than likely the case, then we've got five home games in a row in January and February to look forward to after it. And if yeah. we get through. It's another home game to add to that list of home games. And, you know, it's a bit more excitement. And I guess, especially with the COVID restrictions now, with everyone being in Tier 4, I think it would be another another thing for people to, to be able to concentrate on, to be excited about. And I think that, that's, that's an important thing as well, because, you know, this, this game does give people a bigger distraction than it normally would because there isn't a great deal going on in a lot of people's lives um, and you just kind of hope I guess the big hope is that they don't stop football and I know it's a, it's a bit of a contentious issue because because of the, the amount of um, COVID cases there are and, and you know, the NHS being under strain and all that kind of stuff but you know it feels like people really 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 need football at the moment even if they can't go to games, they really, really need it to be around because, you know, for those months where it wasn't around in, in March and April and May and June and, you know, for a lot of clubs longer than that, it was, life was just a bit empty, yeah. you know. And then, no. you, you guys will know the same, aren't you? It, it was, yeah. it was, it, life felt a bit empty. So boring. Um, and to be honest yeah. with you, actually, it was, in some respects, it was actually quite nice having the season extended for, for us, obviously in the championship, one of the, the, the few lucky ones, really. And we actually got to see some football in June, July, when the weather was, when the weather was absolutely lovely. So, you know, that, that was nice as well. It's not, it's not all about the cold, wet and windy nights away on, on a Tuesday and things like that. It was some summer football, which, you know, is not always what we get. But yeah, I mean, and you say there with the COVID thing, you know, as we said, as I mentioned earlier, you know, no fans coming in. That is a financial, obviously, uh, a financial uh, deficit for for Chorley because they would have got a, a fair amount from that. I would have thought, obviously, the TV there as well. I'm guessing that's still given. And I, I must admit, I don't know the, the full figure, but isn't it something like seventy-five to hundred thousand pounds for the winners of the third round, something like that? And I mean, don't get me wrong, Derby aren't in the greatest of financial positions at this moment in time. But £100,000 to Chorley surely would be, you know, a huge amount of money. Um, yeah. And actually, I'd like to see, don't know if it'll happen, but I'd like to see, you know, if, if we do win, may, maybe give a, you know, a donation or, you know, give up, give up our, our percentage of it or whatever it may well be and, you know, help a fellow non-league side out, that'd be, that'd be great from a Derby's perspective. I, I have no contacts with Mel Morris and the owners, so I can't pass that message on, I'm afraid, Alex, but... As a as a fan, I'd like to see that because we've seen too many league clubs uh, go out of business, and we're seeing potentially more and more going out of business. Um, and you know, if if league club league clubs are struggling, then non-league clubs must be bloody struggling as well. To be perfectly honest with you, I can't see how they're not. So that kind of that kind of cup run this year certainly for Chorley must be a shining light on what's what's been a, a tough year off the field, like you say, with with all forms of COVID. Corey. Anything else from you? I've got two questions, Alex, before we get your uh, – are we going to make him do a score prediction? Yeah, of course we're going to make him do a score yeah, prediction. He's got to do a score prediction. That's what we do on this podcast. Um, two questions for you, though, Alex, real quick. Um, you're the media officer, uh, and this is, you know, a few days before the game. How hectic is your life going to be, and what's the media interest been like so far in terms of how many media do you get on? I know we talked a little bit about this off-air. How many do you get on a normal game? And then what's the media landscape for this game? And how busy and hectic is your life going to be over the next 10 days or so? So if you, so uh, our Boxing Day game against Fylde, obviously Fylde are our, our biggest sort of local rivals in the National League North. 
so it's a big game, you know, and obviously, again, if fans had been allowed, we'd have probably got a crowd pushing 3,000 for that game. Um, but in terms of the media for that game, uh, there was our media team, of which there are six of us for home games. Um, then there was two guys from Fylde, and that was it. Oh, no, actually, no, there was um, one of the guys from BBC Radio Lancashire, but they wouldn't normally have been there. Um, it's just Accrington's game was called off because of COVID, so um, they came to us because it was a, a big game, like big non-league game in Lancashire. So basically, there was no... Normally, the, the, there wasn't any outside media <laughs> at the game, apart from BBC Radio Lancs. Um, and that's not uncommon. You know, we get local radio stations coming, you know, if... if when we play teams like Hereford or uh, Boston or somewhere like that, where there's not a massive amount of league clubs in their area, they'll get the local BBC radio station. You might get the local paper, somewhere like that coming as well. But generally speaking, there wouldn't be many people at the game. Um, for the Derby game, we've got um, pretty much all the national papers coming. Um, obviously, all the local papers who don't normally come to games but carry some content from from ourselves, um, they're coming. Um, we've got local and national radio stations. We've obviously got BT Sport with all their entourage um, coming. Um, we've got double figures. Double figures? Yeah, we've got a lot of photographers uh, from different national agencies. Um, you know, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's huge. Quite honestly, the interest in it, the interest is clearly there. Um, and I don't know whether to say I'm surprised by the amount of interest or not, to be honest. I'm probably not that surprised um, because it is, you know, it is one of the standout ties, really, of the round, apart from obviously Marine against Spurs, which is just on another scale, really, uh, considering how low down Marine are and how high Spurs are. Um, other than that, you know, it's it's one of the big big games of the round, with all the storylines that come with it. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, second lowest second lowest rated team in the in left in the cup against Derby County. I mean, that is that is tremendous, and it is a massive thing for Chorley as well. And and you know, I can I can see why the the media interest. And I really appreciate you taking time to to speak with us uh, ahead of ahead of the media interest. Appreciate that. Um, my final question before I turn it over to Jason so we can just, you know, finalize it, talk about the score prediction and the way the game's going to go. We've seen, we've just talked about that. You know, we've, we're in COVID football. Um, we're going to go into the post-COVID football economy, if I can use a textbook kind of economic term. I like that. It just sounds good. Sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, we've had a lot of teams go out of business. Bury is one of those teams in your area that's, that's recently gone out of business. So just explain to me real quick, why is the National League and why is a team like Chorley important? Why, why are they important to the local community? Why should people go and support their non-league teams? What, what does a team like Chorley bring to, to the area? Um, and, and why is it important in the footballing pyramid? It does, it's a bit of a cliche to say that, that football clubs are you know, a part of their community. And, and a lot of the time, I'm never really sure what people mean when they say that because it's almost like a throwaway kind of line it's like oh football clubs are important because they're part of the community um but once you get sort of underneath the skin of a football club i've been involved with chorley for three and a half years now i'm, I'm not from chorley I, I don't live in chorley um i'd been to a couple of their games before just because i i'm interested in, in going to different games at different levels and, and what have you but when you see the amount of people that that it takes to to get games on at our level, the amount of volunteers, the amount of people that are just interested in what's going on and, and sort of, it's like with all football, isn't it? Your sort of life is almost geared into the results of a side, the results of your team. But it's not only that, it's about, you know, the, the, the wider sort of aspect of it, I guess, is that if people don't know where Chorley is or didn't know where Chorley is before this, They'll know where Chorley is now, um, and they might look. They might look it up. They might even think about. I don't know. It sounds daft, but going to Lancashire on holiday next time they're allowed to move out of their their tier, you know, they might think about looking Chorley up and seeing what goes on there and 
you know, what kind of businesses are there or any kind of opportunities there, what are the people like, all that kind of stuff, you know. Our um our local MPs, the the uh the speaker in the House of Commons, Lindsay Hoyle. Um and he's he's always a, a big supporter, especially on social media of, of not just the football club, but the town in general and how important it is to get the town's name out there that people know know about the area, how how nice an area it is and the history of it and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think it, it you know, it, it sort of it gives everybody a lift and a boost in the area as well to know that people are talking about children. You know, people are interested in, in the town. And, you know, people who, you know, people are proud to be from Chorley. A lot of people are very, very proud of the town and coming from Chorley and, and Lancashire as well. But, you know, it just offers that sort of, it offers that window to the world and it, it allows the world to see what, what the town and the area is about. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of towns, you know, it's, it's not a small town, surely, but, you know, a lot of towns sort of, if, if you're not forgotten about, like people aren't that interested, but now people are interested and people want to talk about the football club and the town. And I think that just gives people a lift. And obviously people need that kind of lift in, when life's sort of normal. It's quite a nice thing to have. But especially when, when you've got stuff going on at the moment, it means so much to so many people that Chorley is sort of being put on the map and, you know, <laughs> I don't don't want to particularly get political about some of the decisions that, you know, the government's made in terms of the north of England with COVID. But, you know, it does breed that kind of mentality that, you know, the north's kind of forgotten about or whatever. And this is the kind of thing that can bring it back and people can say, look, this is what we're about. This is what, you know, towns in the north of England are about. We're not, you know, we shouldn't be forgotten about. We should be sort of embraced and included in, um, I don't know, I'm losing, I'm, <laughs> I'm losing, I'm going off on a tangent now. But you, no, you get but I mean, the that, idea. that's the romance of the cup, right, Alex? I mean, yeah, yeah. England, exists, England exists north of Watford. I mean, that's probably yeah. the best way you can put it. And, you know, that's the north-south divide and everything like that. And like you say, mm -hmm. There's lots of crazy things going on, but to be able to showcase a town or a club and, and like take, take for me, for instance, right? I'm in America. I'm four and a half thousand miles away from you and Jason, and yeah. I'm going to be able to watch it live on my television set at seven o'clock in the morning. So I will be getting up on to watch that at seven o'clock in the morning. But that's the cool thing is that there's so many different teams. Like when I was learning about England growing up, you know, my dad's, my dad's from the Derbyshire area and he used to tell me about the teams he used to play for. And, oh, I remember I played here at Belper. I played here at Hina. I played here at Alfred. And, you know, he spent yeah. time at Ilkeston town. And so you, you, you remember these little areas so that when you go to Ilkeston, you're like, where's the new manor ground? Oh, yeah. there it is. Uh -huh. Yeah. I know where it is. It's just around the corner from my, my cousin who's a hairdresser in, in Ilkeston or, you know, yeah. these things do matter to communities. And that's the, that's the, yeah, of the FA cup. So when you say that, I completely agree and understand with you. And I just want to, you know, a lot of football gets lost these days in the top six and is it a European super league and 200 million pound Neymar transfers and all this crazy stuff. And, you know, weird times for football because somebody weird bought the TV rights or whatever, you know, and, and that's the romance of that's the romance of the FA cup is that for 90 minutes or for that week, Derby County and Chorley Chorley are on the same playing field. And when you kick off, it's two groups of lads who both enjoy, hopefully enjoy playing football, you know? Yeah. Jerry's still out, you know, and they're going to yeah. go around and kick a circle, a, a little ball, circle ball. That's stupid. A round ball, a round object around on a green patch of grass and try to get into two white sticks. And that, that's the romance of it because for 90 minutes where the Derby County is top 10 in the premier league champions of Europe are in the bottom part of the championship and Chorley's in the ninth tier, the 99th tier, they're on the same playing field. And that's, that's the amazing thing because you don't get that very often in very many other sports. You wouldn't get that here in America. You wouldn't get, a college team playing an NFL team because they get murdered. You wouldn't get a pop. You know what I mean? You wouldn't get, you know, you've, you've been in America. You wouldn't get the Washington nationals playing a minor league team because they, they get murdered. I mean, you just don't get that. And so that's the romance of the FA cup for me. And that's why I wanted to ask you that because sometimes it does feel like non-league teams and national league people just kind of laugh them off. I mean, County went down and people think County's a joke, but they're like the oldest football club other than Sheffield FC who's gone bust. I mean, they invented shin pads for God's sake, you know, and 
they're in the national league and people go, what a waste of time. They're just a non-league side. And it's like, yeah, but they've still done a lot for the game and they still, you know, people treat them with the respect that they deserve because like you say, you're not doing this to make, to make money. You're not doing this to make, you know what I mean? You're doing this out of the passion for the game that you love you and the, you know, I know you're part-time and then there's other volunteers. They do it because they love the game of football. They do because they love the town of Chorley. They might not care about Chorley FC, but they care about representing their town. They care about the game that they love. And then that all comes together as the club. And that's really the essence of a football club in a way. Wouldn't you agree, Jason? Yeah. I mean, I think from my personal experiences, kind of like the non-league sides that earn around me, obviously, um, you can, if, you know, if Derby aren't on, like I say, I'll, I'll go to Alfreton, I'll go to, I've been to Ilkeston, I've seen them play, I've, I've, I've seen all them and, you know, they're, they're, whatever level, like Corey says, you know, you're playing football, on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you might see them packing your groceries at Tesco, but on a Saturday afternoon, they've got the number nine shirt, you know, on in front of, you know, representing your village or town or whatever, you know, in, in, in the football. And I think that's, the, I mean, maybe not quite a, conference you know at national north level but certainly obviously further down you go but you know there are a lot of part-time teams out there like you like yourselves that you know as i say from from monday to friday you've got decorators plumbers plasterers candlestick makers you, you've got the lot and the, but then on a saturday for that maybe maybe once in the week training who knows some do some don't but then for that 90 minutes on a saturday or a midweek game they all come together to you know play play the game that we all we all love and uh, like you said, the ma- the magic of the cup for me is great. I mean, Derby haven't got a fantastic record in it recently, but uh, and let's face it, don't expect to get much further, you know, than than we already are. But I, th- I think the cup is good for for the smaller sides, if you will. Um, not, I don't want to put anybody out with that comment, but for the smaller sides, I think it's absolutely great. It gives them a chance for ninety minutes to to play against some of the stars and, and, but unfortunately, as we well know, you know, like that Marine Tottenham game, you know, how many, how many first team Tottenham players are going to play in that game? Probably one, two, maybe a push. Depends what the scoreline's like. As we mentioned right at the top of this, I would fully expect eight, nine of Derby's first team who played last night to be in that, to be in that 11 on Saturday, to be perfectly honest with you, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, so, you know, that for me, that that's, that's what the cup's about. And, I wish Chorley all the best, obviously. I'm hoping Derby go through, but I do wish them all the best. And I'm hoping for, for a good cup tie. Derby have had uh, have had history of banana skins, as, as as I've mentioned, and they've been knocked out against lower league sides regularly. So it's not against the realms of possibility, I can assure you, but I know I'm looking forward to it. And a, and a break from the league, that'd be nice as well. Jason, it's um, a great segue into the score prediction. It isn't it just? Um, you go ahead and go first. You put me on the spot. I, I am, yeah. I'm going to go first. And do you know, it's it's really difficult to predict because these shocks happen. I think Derby, from two teams who, in their own respective leagues, are, are performing at the moment good. Derby have turned a corner in the last eight weeks. Um, and on last night's, uh, performance from Derby against Birmingham. I mean, that's the best we've seen Derby for 12, 18 months, to be honest with you. It was it was a really, really good performance. And I would expect, as I say, I don't expect too many changes because I, the momentum's there with Derby at the moment. Um, and to be honest with you, we, we're a bit of a small-knit squad as well. So actually, you take we couldn't necessarily put a reserve side out. It would be full of kids. And... 50% of those are integrated into the match day squads anyway. So it's not as if you get it. I don't think you're going to get a B team from Derby. You might, as I say, you probably, you might not get the, the same start in 11 from last night, but I would expect a fair few to be involved. Um, and still, you know, most of those have performed on the championship stage this season and, and not done too bad. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I think with it being at, at Chorley, that makes the task even harder for Derby. And, and as we mentioned earlier, everything that goes with that, the small changing rooms, the muddy pitch or, you know, whatever it may well be. Appreciate you said that it probably won't be like that, but you know, everything that you can muster up as a, to, to try and get one over the, the league side. But I think, I mean, you know, trying, trying to be real, trying to be a realist. Derby should come through this cup tie. Let's face it. They should. Um, but I'm not, 
necessarily sure it's going to be a, a huge walkover from what you've explained there about about the Chorley side, Alex. It sounds like that they'll certainly come for a fight. They'll certainly be up for the game. Um, but I would expect Derby to come through it, and I'm going to go three-one Derby. Corey, yeah, I think uh, Jason, Alex, you know, Chorley present an interesting opposition for Derby. I think, um, especially with the strength up front and, and the and the good run that they've been on. Alex, if this game had been a month ago, I think our predictions would have been way different because Darby's form had fallen off a cliff. The bus had crashed, the wheels had come off, the engine had blown up, and there was fire coming out the windows. There's a big dumpster on fire going down this hill. Um, but, you know, the last four or five weeks, they kind of turned it round for various different reasons. It's not just Wayne Rooney. It's players are coming back fit and finding a different formation and things like that. But Darby always tend to struggle, I think, in the FA Cup. And I think the game that harkens back to me, Jason, is the – the Accrington Stanley game uh, under Frank Lampard two years ago, which Mason Mount got hurt and really derailed Darby's season um, in, a, in a way. And that was a hard fought one nil, one nil Darby victory. And I think I'm going to pick a one nil Darby victory. I think Chorley will cause Darby problems. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chorley uh, nick a goal, but you know, again, I would be hopeful as a, as an optimistic Rams fan uh, that, that Darby can, can get a victory. But I do believe that, it's not going to be the cakewalk or the cricket score that many people anticipate. Um, I think it's going to be a, a really hard fought. I think Chorley are going to put a lot of guts into it, um, but it's going to be a one nil Derby win. Alex. And now we've put him on the spot. What does the, what does the Chorley guy say? I, I can definitely tell you that the, the management team will be going into the game thinking we can win. And that'll be, that'll be the attitude that's instilled into the players and the players will, will um, fancy their chances of causing an upset. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, <laughs> you have to be realistic about things, like you say, in, in, in terms of your own form at the moment, it is a lot better than it was a month ago. Um, and our form has continued to be, be excellent, you know, ever since the draw. I think there's a chance. I think we'll score. I th- I, genuinely think we'll, we'll at least score I think it'll be close and I would potentially say that we've got the, the chance of taking it into extra time um, so let's <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go along and say also say it'll be 3-1 Derby but it'll be an extra time that it's finished off I mean it could well be because I mean, as I say the, the the first game we previewed, we were talking to the Barrow lads and they were like, oh, Derby will win 4-0, Derby will win 5-0. I went, no, they won't. They, they will struggle. They will struggle. And we were, we were the home side and I predicted Derby would win on penalties and that's exactly what they did. So, as I say, that team is a bit different to what we are now and, and I, I understand that. But I think that's the reason why, as we mentioned, and that sums up the whole podcast, that's what is the magic of the FA Cup. You know, league teams, decent league teams can go to these non-league sides and almost forget how to play, forget how to play football in, in some respects. And it, it can happen. There's no two ways about it. And like you said, I would fully expect Chorley to be, to be up for the fight. Why, why wouldn't they? It's, that's then that's that's where you've got to look at the Derby squad and go, are you up for it? And I would have expected Wayne Rooney should get them up for it. Um, obviously, with with the history that he's got with the FA Cup and things like that, and obviously kind of being back where he's sort of from, you know, you would expect him to be you would expect him to be up up for it, and you would expect him to get those players up for it. Um, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Is is all I can say. I, as I say, I'm hoping that Derby come out of it the right side. Um, one caveat to that I would say is actually Derby have probably got other things that they need to concentrate on at the minute and that is pulling away from that bottom end of the league. So is a cup run really that good? But, you know, you can easily, as we have in the past, you can find yourself in, before you know it, you're in the quarterfinals with a with a nice draw, um, you know, and then obviously the money really starts to ramp up. So you, you, can't, you can't knock it if it's coming your way, I suppose is the, is the best way to describe it. But Alex, we've taken up more enough of your time thank you very much as you mentioned earlier I'm sure the next seven days ten days for you is going to be absolutely crazy enjoy them enjoy the game next week um, yes. obviously not too much but obviously I hope you enjoy this, the media circus that will come with it 
Um, we've, got another, we've got another big derby against Fylde on Saturday first. Ah, uh, well, get that one out of the way first, then concentrate, yeah. get, let, get them concentrating on that one first. That's fine. That's we've, one. we've got a trip to Sheffield Wednesday, which is, you know, wonderful. Um, so from, from Hillsborough to Victory Park, yeah, yeah. that sounds, sounds interesting. But I'm looking forward to it. But thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And hopefully I'll pass across again in the future. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jens. Very much appreciate it. Yeah, no appreciate worries. it, Alex. Thanks for squeezing us in in your, in your uh, pre-match media stuff. <laughs> no problem. So, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. And that's all the time we've got for today, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Um, and until next time, up the Rams. <laughs>